Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself, Martin Keown and Carl Robinson reacted to the breaking news of Everton's imminent takeover by 777 Partners. We also discussed the ongoing turmoil at Manchester United with Harry Maguire in trouble with the fans and Jadon Sancho in trouble with his manager. Plus, lead singer of Texas, Charlene Spiteri, Pop by to join us in studio to discuss all things Arsenal. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Well, 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 this is the nature of the beast, is it not? Uh, breaking news all over the place. Martin Keown, good morning. Good morning, Jim. Good to see you. And you. Um, it's going to be a busy one. It's shaping up to be a very busy one. And Carl Robinson, you and I have been chatting away in the build-up to the show. Um <laughs> Yeah, this is a crazy game you want to get back into, mate. We'll talk Everton in a moment, <laughs> but you are ready to yes, get the I management am. boots yeah, on I again. I enjoy, aren't you? I enjoy this. I really do. I enjoy doing something different and staying within the sport and speaking about it. But yeah, I'm now probably the, the most ready I've been for the last eight nine months. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, it's the bug of football, isn't it? It never leaves you. Never you. Lo- you never do. You. No, you never lose it. No. Is trying to live with football and without football, isn't it? It's uh, when you're not in it, Jim. Yeah, you desperately want to be in it, but when you're in it, sometimes you don't want to be. <laughs> Especially um, when you lose. Well, one wonders uh, why seven 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 partners uh, want to be in it, but they're in it big time because in the last few moments, it's been announced the full takeover of Everton Football Club uh, has now been completed. Seven 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 partners, and we spoke about them the other day, and Simon suggested, yeah, we we might need to look at them a bit more closely. But in any case, the Premier League obviously have, and it's a green light. Seven 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 partners has signed an. Agreement with Farhad Mashiri to acquire his full stake in Everton Football Club, which accounts for 94.1% of the club's shares. So it would seem from this point onwards, the Mashiri era is over. Mr. Mashiri, a shareholder since 2016 and majority shareholder since 2018, says this this morning the nature of ownership. And financing of top football clubs has changed immeasurably since I first invested in Everton over seven years ago. The days of an owner stroke benefactor are seemingly out of reach for most. And the biggest clubs are now typically owned by well-resourced PE firms, specialist sports investors or state-backed companies and funds. In other words, bigger boys than Farhad Mashiri, it would seem, are now in town. He says, I've been open about the need to bring in new investment and complete the financing for our iconic new stadium at Bramley Moor Dock on the banks of the Mersey, which I predominantly finance to date. I've spoken to a number of partners. However, it is through my lengthy discussions with 777 that I believe they are the best partners to take our club forward with all the benefits of their multi-club investment model. So, Carl, this lot have appeared from nowhere. They're involved in other clubs mm-hmm. that we know, one of them being Genoa over uh, in Italy, yep. and now they are very much on the scene. I mean, 
you have your ear to the ground, Carl, all the time. We here at TalkSport have seen nothing but disgruntled Evertonians yeah. come to air and say, what is Mishiri doing? Albeit, he spent over 700 million quid of his own money, but it's how he's spent it. Everton, one, one would think, Everton fans, I would have thought to a large extent this morning, are relieved. But it might well be be a case of, all right, be careful what you be careful what you wish for. Yeah. But Everton is a club. You know, if the right people get the, their hands on this club, there's no telling what it could become. Well, I'm going to train back to Liverpool after this, so I need to be careful what I say when I get <laughs> back into town. Um, Everton is a is a huge football club, and and growing up in the city of Liverpool, it's almost the two football clubs are massive, and and one of the sole drivers to everybody's happiness at weekends. This news today, and all the Everton fans who I know will be absolutely over the moon that he's out. I think it's slightly disrespectful in some ways when a person invests so much of his own personal wealth into a football club that he clearly does care. He, he does care for. Oh, he's spent a You can see there. that. Yeah. So you can't you can't ridicule him and disrespect him and and show a sense of despair for what he's done. I think he's done as much as he can. I do worry sometimes when these investors come in. We look at it at Man United and the the trouble they're having with certain yeah. investors. Yeah. You don't know quite where they're going to get it right. I was in Liverpool the other week as well. I've seen a new stadium. I've seen where it's at. And it's, it's, it looks great. But we have to wait and see. Unfortunately yes. for the Everton fans, what they will say, it's a week too late. Because obviously out the transfer window, what can they do? If this would have been done a few weeks earlier, they might have been able to spend a little bit more money. It's strange that they've waited till the end of the window before the takeover gets done. Yeah. And now they're going to have to wait till January before they can do anything with the team. Well, Martin, I'm coming your way in a second. Mishiri finishes this uh, statement this morning, this takeover statement. If you've just switched on, Everton have been taken over. 777 partners have agreed the Everton takeover. Mishiri finishes with this this morning. And to our fans, the last few years have been challenging, but you have supported the club through it and consistently been our 12th man. You're the best fans and you deserve success. Here in TalkSport, we're about the only news outlet that ever get access to Mashiri on a semi-regular basis. But that uh, changed in, in recent weeks and months, maybe understandably. Mashiri going today, but this is what he said when he joined me back in 2016 and explained why it was Everton for him. It came under my radar during David Moyes' time. It's just, I mean, the passion of supporters and the fearless display of players when, you know, playing the very big teams was a joy to watch. So I, I just, I was, you know, I was following the club. And uh, from distance, then I got to know Bill and... Bill Kenwright, you know, educated me over the history, what the club is all about. And, you know, it's just unique. For me, there was just one big club left in England to buy, and that's Everton. You know, I fell in love with it. So it's fair to say that Farhad Mashiri uh, began his era in control of the club with very good intentions. Uh, Martin Keown, of course, uh, yes, Arsenal Invincible, but played for Everton as well. I must say at this point, Martin, I was one of the few to get to know Mashiri pretty well. And he, he was indeed so attached to the football club. He loved Everton as a club. I spent some time with him down here in London and at Goodison as well. And he had a massive affection for the club, but it just didn't work out. For whatever reason, in spite of the millions and millions he put in, it didn't work out. It yeah. didn't work out. And now he goes, you know this club, Martin. Is this the best thing, do you think, instinctively, that, uh, you know, a breath of fresh air comes in, new ownership at the top, and things might change? Well, uh, if you, it became very toxic there. I mean, half the board are not able to actually visit the games because the fans don't want them there. So Mashuri was in no position but to go. And what he's tried to do was to make sure he, he handed it over to the very best possible next successor, Yeah, which looks as if... This company is going to come in. We don't know yet too much about the ownership, but what we do know is they put plenty of money in. Mashuri himself has spent the best part of 700 million. Yeah. I think his intention was a good one, Jim. And I think that's what we're seeing at Chelsea at the moment. Money doesn't never buy you, doesn't buy you success because they've had a succession of managers. They've brought top players in and it hasn't worked. 
Um, actually, just at the, 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 the transfer window, I think the guy Beto, the centre-forward who's come in, Jim, is actually someone who might just rescue the club this season. On, on the uh, pitch, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, might be a, a saviour for them, and it was maybe the last, <laughs> Mishuri's last signing that yeah. ultimately turns out to be uh, maybe one of the best ones. But, look, I... I know that the feeling from um, up there is very much against Mashuri. From afar, you might look at it and say, well, look, you know, Christ, he's, he's put all that money in. Mm. Should we really come after him? But I think he's doing the right thing now and stepping aside. It looks that way, doesn't it, Carl? I mean, you could yep. see behind the scenes, Barrett Baxendale gone off from the board. Graham Sharp, club legend, on the board for a spell, but it, it became even too hot for him as well. It became unsafe for these people to go to home games. Yes, it did, from what we see from the outside. But I see all these owners now putting millions and millions of pounds in. They can't all win things. There's going to be a shortfall for the money that they spend. Now, 700 million is incredible for one man to put that into Everton Football Club. I'm not too sure whether he's going to come in and be able to match that. Well, certainly short term. The team's that much disarray at this moment in time. Yeah. They are lucky, one, about the striker and two, the manager. Because I do think they have the best manager they can possibly get to be where they are right now. And probably that bridge of where they're at with him will save Everton. I think I said this about two weeks ago, but I didn't, didn't yeah. see Everton going down. Yeah, because it's still of the manager. Be a difficult road for them ever to see. Yes, and that's what I'm trying to say. So at what stage, and, and, and how long did he keep interest for, Martin? Because we're getting so many people from different parts of the world mm. coming across to our Premier League. We have a go at Saudi Arabia about how much money is getting spent over there. But we're getting so many different owners coming in from different parts of the world and investing multi-millions of pounds in yeah. and actually getting very little back sometimes. Well, what it does show is that even a man with the wealth that Mashiri has got, it seems bigger boys need to come on the scene these days if they're going to acquire a club in the Premier League. It was interesting, Carl, because Simon uh, just yesterday was sitting in that seat that Martin's sitting in this morning. And I put it to him, how would you sum up the Mashiri legacy at Everton? I mean, if you look at when he comes in, they finish 7th, 8th and 8th. And then you start to see the decline, they drop into 12th and 10th. And then you start to, then you start to see the real situation manifesting itself in around 21, 22 and 22, 23, where Everton are beginning to unwind off, on the pitch and off the pitch. Like everything else, out with the old, the king is dead, long live the king. You have no idea what these people's motivations are. Everton is a brilliant football club. It is. It's a brilliant football club. With great with, fans. With expect with, with expectant fans. Yeah. And Mashiri's regime will be looked at as a bit of a car crash for them. A car crash. That's how Simon described it. Martin, the king is dead. Long live the king. That is uh, how Simon phrased it there. The king being Fahad Mashiri and now has exited stage left. And it's now a new era. Pure 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Now, you might be wondering this morning, amidst all the madness of uh, the Everton story, uh, if you've just switched on this morning, well, it's all been kicking off because uh, it's been announced that Everton is set to change hands. 777 Partners have signed an agreement with Mashiri to acquire his full stake of the club. Uh, yet to be agreed, of course, but the process very much underway and it would seem it's the end of Farhad Mashiri. So amidst all that, uh, Martin Keown, myself and Carl Robinson need a bit of a breather. And there is nobody better in this building to bring us that than uh, Arsenal-loving football fan but of course lead singer of the huge band Texas Charlene Spiteri joins us right here in studio good morning to you Good morning to you. I kind of feel like a bit of a fake. It feels like you've got far more important things to be doing today than talking to me. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, really? You need a break? Well, I'd be absolutely. like, a stiff drink you need? We need some brightness in here, oh Charlie. Oh, my goodness. And you brought that into Especially the Especially all the Everton fans. I mean, yeah. honestly, yeah, that's like most of my... So my all my crew are half Liverpool, half Everton. So it all kicks off. So like the band are all Scottish, like between so Celtic. And then basically when I moved to London, Arsenal was my team because of the old Celtic connection with Arsenal so I moved to North London I lived in Islington so Charlie George Sha yep. oh, sorry, and Charlie, Charlie Nicholas, Nicholas. Yeah. yep Charlotte Champagne Charlie Nicholas as mm. we all knew him in Glasgow true and um, yes yeah, so when I came to London Arsenal were my team and from then on and that was that was that was it I wondered if that was the link 
Yeah, that was exactly <laughs> the link. Exactly. Did you watch uh, you thought Martin it was you? back in the day? <laughs> a million Ashley times. Invincible. Yeah, of course. That was that was my that was at the point where I was living in London and literally going to the game every weekend. Yeah. And you're good friends with Thierry Henry. Right? I am. Yeah. Thierry is an old mate of mine. Um, as is Patrick as well. Those all that mob. Great um, guys. Aren't they? Lo- great bunch. But um, yeah, all of those. And Thierry Henry's the godfather to your daughter, right? He is the godfather to my daughter. Lovely. For lucky her. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, she's the luckiest girl on the planet. I'm literally. You don't even know you've been born, child. <laughs> literally. I mean, he's such a good godfather as well to her. I mean, he's really good to her. I mean, honestly, you got the place excited this morning that you were coming in here to, to join us, Charlene. Carl Robinson, of course. Liverpool, I can't big look Liverpool at him now fan. because he's told me. No, no, but when I knew she was well, coming on. Well, you're a huge fan of the I was the a huge band. fan. And you know what? You don't realise until... And everyone needs to go back through your tracks and realise the influence. Like, when I got binned by a girlfriend when I was 12 and 13 and one of your songs would come on. It, that's the, my generation, so That's why he hates me. Yeah, and it, but, it, but it's almost no. like you, you don't listen to... You go back in time and listen to some of your songs this morning coming in. It was like, oh, well, and I remembered part of my life growing up and it was it was nice for once. Nice that you get binned. And I, well, oh, I've been binned many I mean, times, trust me. God. As a manager and, and, and a boyfriend. Haven't we all? And that ex-girlfriend joins us live. No, not at all, Which one? Not She's at all. Exactly, but look at you, which one? I love it. But you're still steeped in football and you follow Arsenal very, Course very I closely. I, I mean, I follow... Do you season ticket holder? Yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. But, um, I mean, now our, our house is like... So we've got two. My daughter and I are, are Arsenal and my husband's Liverpool. Um, he's from nice. North Wales, so he's he's Liverpool boy. So literally, it all kicks off. And then you know, the other night it was literally so we've got a Welshman, a Scottish woman, and the daughter born in London, English. Joke. So when Scotland, <laughs> when Scotland and England would play another night, she sent me two English flags, which I lost my mind at. I was like, when Scotland <laughs> came back, I was literally like, you little rocks, like sending her <laughs> Scottish flags. So yeah, it's, um, you're a big fan of Arteta. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I think he's... Oh, no. yeah. I like this. Hang on, what's that? I, do you know what? I mean, I, I, I know that I've never met Arteta, so I can't say as a man. I think he's like, I think he's man. I just, sometimes I'm like, no, no. And I've been like that since the beginning and it causes massive tinkering. arguments. Is it the tinkering with the team? Changing it, it's, the team? It's not, it's, it's to me... I get upset because I, he's a bit like as if he's in a, an episode of Runaround for me. Like, keep, stay in the lane, stay in the lane, mate. Just keep in the lane and follow it through where it's like, it's like, uh, and I'm going to change it. And I get really upset about it. And no one can understand why I go, like, my, my, my um, best friend's um, son, who is, 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 um, he's 25 years old now. He's living in LA. He's literally goes, follows Arsenal. He's followed Arsenal since he was a little boy. And um, he came home. He was home for a week and he, they were going on. He went to the football with my daughter. And um, they came back and we were talking something. And I said, no, don't like Arteta. And he went, what do you mean? Yes. And I was, well, yeah. that's what I think. I'm not a fan. I went, as, as, a, as a manager, I'm not a fan. Who needs Simon Jordan? Yeah. I know, who needs Simon Jordan? He's got his share as he is, doesn't it, Jim? Oh, absolutely. 100%. I'm actually a fan, really. Although, I know. Although sometimes I think, why, you know, Gabriel started the season, why are we playing just, you know, why is he not playing? And yeah. every time he came on to sort of con- consolidate the team, should have started, perhaps. Exactly. Havertz coming in. I just kind of um, think it's that thing. I mean, I think he has moments of where he really builds the confidence of the team, and I think he's great at that. And then suddenly he just whips the carpet for right under their feet, and that's what drives me mad. It's like, make your mind up. Just make your mind up. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you wish Wenger was back at, at Arsenal? No, I do, don't. Do you wish I don't, on, but then just... again, I thought Wenger should have went like, before he went. But would you like to have seen him gone upstairs? Yeah, capacity, I would have done. Would've... I would have done. But then there's a lot of people that I would have loved to come to Arsenal on a different form than than you know. It's like it's just it was that thing. It's the skill in anything is known when to get out is when is when to leave when. And to me, you know, Arsene was one of is one of the greatest managers of all time. I mean, mm. he was a phenomenal manager. Like just what he did and the way he managed and he changed and I think he changed football for you know f- for many yeah, yeah. yeah. completely revolutionised and just the way he had them train and all the stuff that he brought in 
And I think he's an amazing manager. I just wish he had literally just at one point bowed out, bowed, um, bowed out a little bit. I think the only thing he was guilty time. of is not finding the right time to leave. To leave. Exactly. And that was because and that he loved the me. club. Listen, yeah. here's, here's the thing though, Martin. When, when uh, Charlene used to cut my hair, uh, in a, a hairdressing <laughs> shop in Glasgow, which is true, uh, it is true, Carl. And she was brilliant. But then I was you, such you, a good hairdresser. It's you, a better hairdresser than I'm a singer. I <laughs> I used that. to tease me all the time about Celtic and and your love of Celtic. So where are Celtic in your uh, Celtic list of priorities? Celtic I mean, are in my blood. Uh-huh, yeah, you right. see, that's the you thing. having Brendan going back. Oh yeah, yeah. That would be that would Ish. be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, well, he's there now, so it's yeah, second but, time around not, for him. But but, the, but I think it's. Do you, but do you not think that that is like the best way possible? The best way forward for Celtic that I was him to so. go back there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you go like that's nice. That's, no recriminations the way that he left and then gone back. I, I don't think so. I think that basically, as as supporters, you've just got to be like, you've got to just be a bit like, okay, that happened, that's been, that's gone, and. Anybody, when anybody ever leaves a team, you know, especially when they've been great at a team, then, you know, supporters are going to be like, I can't believe you walked out on us, can't believe you left it. But as soon as you start winning again and you're back, you know, you're going back up the way, then suddenly you're like, everything's forgotten and you're like, yeah, he's amazing. You forget that he went. It's, it's, that's just what it is. Celtic's in your blood. Touring's in your blood. How about this? I mean, Carl Robinson says to me, I want to go to these gigs. So uh, you're going to be playing Leeds, Liverpool, Bournemouth, Cardiff, Birmingham, Glasgow, yes. uh, September, but next year. Yes. So, I mean, how do you manage to keep going? Because the band is still super successful. Um, you're bringing out new music. That's in your blood as well. Yeah, I love music. You know, I never imagined I'd do what I do now. Um, but See, I love... Are you serious about that? All those years ago, joking apart, when you used to say to me, I think we'll make it. I think I've, I've got a band together. I think we'll make it. You could never have imagined this. No, I never imagined. I just thought if I can write one good song. I remember thinking if we can write one good song that people remember and that people know, then... Charlene, Charlene what's your favourite song that you've written? I think. I mean, I think I'd probably have to say Say What You Want, even though I have songs that are more That goes favorite. with your personality yeah. as well, doesn't God, it? God, don't. Now I'm blushing <laughs> that you said <laughs> that to me. But it's, it's one of those ones where say what you want changed everything because when that came out it literally went from being successful to like going to a completely different level and you know that's that 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 for us changed our whole world it was a great song did your girlfriend come back to you carl after say what you want came out no no, Carl, I'm, no. Scared to, I'm, I, I'm actually scared to look at you. You said too much. <laughs> I, I'm scared to look at you and start crying. Oh, don't. I feel really, really bad because there's no, I'm, I'm just thinking, how can you have Texas as your breakup song? Because you just no, never you, want you, to I, listen. I, I, I you never want to listen to that record ever again. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. Is it, is you did him a favour. Go on, Carl. a favour. Go on. Is there, is there anyone you'd like to sing with now? Out of curiosity, I always like, when you see musicians, I always wonder: is there something that you look at in something? I'd to love be that o- to be honest, I've never really thought of like you know like the collab things. Or like we did yeah. the the records with the Wu Tang Clan, and I've done um, you know I, uh, Paul Buchanan for Blue Nile. I've done that. There's never really everything that's ever happened kind of happened uh-huh. by accident, um, and they just they happen naturally, and they happen because we all met, and it was like let's do something together. Is there's never been any like oh we've got to put that together but you know I mean for me I would have loved to sing with Marvin Gaye I mean Marvin mm. Gaye is my god I'm like <gasps> but that's never going to happen but <laughs> mind you in saying that nowadays we eyes going who knows <laughs> <laughs> that's true you that's just don't true. and maybe I will sing with Marvin Gaye you just it. don't know what happened have you ever discussed about that's it stopping we've been going long enough texas has been going long enough no Maybe but I have, a I have put out the feelers to the families just like see if i get to a point where i'm that like literally just knock me out like drug me something just put me in a box and lock me away no at that point when it gets a bit embarrassing <laughs> no but it's a bit you know that thing where it's like you kind of think is it going to get to a point where you just look at surely it. you're a long way from that mick jagger's twice yeah. your age isn't yeah he? but well there you go no it doesn't actually i mean keith inspires me but it, there's a weird thing it's like as a guitar player i think you can really pull that whole lucky enough i play guitar so sometimes i can hide behind it but there's at the point where you're <laughs> running up and down a stage i mean I'm, I'm 56 now but it's like 
you know, there's. We came in this morning to do a session um, for Chris, and um, literally, we've got frozen shoulders, <laughs> rotating. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like yeah. you. I remember when we were young, you used to look at like the big, big bands that go out with physio. You know, now we've got your big sports guys that come in and do bands now. They literally go on tour with us. Patch all these, up. yeah, they literally enough, Charlie, patch us up. Jim Kerr and Charlie Virtual were in here the other day. Jim Kerr, simple mind. Jim Kerr stood there and he was talking to me and he was saying, "Yeah, next year it's the biggest world tour ever. We're going mm. on." I mean, they they they're the same. They just yeah, keep we're going. actually we're we're actually going to be together. Um, we are in Australia and no, we're in New Zealand together. We're doing a big thing in New Zealand, so it's Texas and Simple Minds together, which is going to be is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, and then we're doing Australia in between those it's those great big festivals. You today. Charlene, thank you. Thank, oh, you, thank you for, for being with me. us on this show. I'm feeling very blessed. It's f- I get more excited about football than, <laughs> than, than you know, I can be sitting in here with Bob, Bob Dylan and I'd be about like, yeah, whatever. And I'm sitting here with you guys going, oh, God, I just... <laughs> <laughs> you know. Mark and Keon. Yeah. Uh, God. 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 Okay. Steady, steady. Okay. Great seeing well, you. You can say what you want. That's, ah, that's there good. you go. <laughs> He's trying to get you to stay. I would change my mind. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Earlier this week, England manager Gareth Southgate claimed the treatment towards Harry Maguire was verging on ridiculous, absolute joke. And then yesterday, Harry's mum Zoe put out a message on Instagram claiming the abuse Maguire has been facing was disgraceful, unacceptable. She wasn't having it. Her son's getting um, all sorts of criticism from all sorts of different people. And she blamed it on pundits and the media. Now... Former England international Danny Cipriani uh, was in here yesterday speaking to H&J and he opened up the negative impact that the media can have on sports people. I'm able now to reflect in those moments with a a loving eye and and a lightness, but I want to reflect in an honest manner so they see what their behaviour is because, you know, they they not only affect the individuals involved, but they keep a sort of grey cloud over our nation because all we read about is, is a judgmental, contradicting angry fear-based media and we don't really see anything uplifting and positive hence why people are happy to troll on the internet they're the original trolls so i mean they can get so low um because of some of the criticism they get sports people i'm saying here that sometimes they reach out now carl danny Mm. cipriani reached out to you right it came through a good friend of mine he was going through probably one of his worst times and i think in his own words fell out of love with rugby I think he's seen himself as slightly different to the environment in which he was in he was obviously at the pinnacle of a sport and a, a good friend of mine said that he wants to play football he wants to get away from what he foreseen as his circus as rugby and I met him once or twice we ended up getting quite close and talking he came in and trained for two or three weeks um, and tried a different sport seeing how different sportsmen think and seeing whether he because he actually, he's actually not about footballer either 
and to see whether he was he was quick, he had a left foot, he was aggressive in all the things that he did, as you imagine a rugby player would be. And he, he just I spoke to him quite a lot and got quite close and, and, and how he how he foreseen the criticism he got for the talent that he possessed. He felt his talent sometimes can be a curse. And I hear a lot of people say this consistently nowadays. Talent is not a curse. Talent is a gift that people have been given to to be the best you can possibly be. But at certain stages through your career, that that gift can be a curse. And I think, especially like to him, he was so good and so natural at what he did. He felt just trying something different, and he actually got back into rugby. Right. And for weirdly, even when when I get sacked or when I'm going through a bad time, he calls you. You don't hear from him for a long time. Just call and see how you are. He called you. Yes, and and they're, and they're moments that you think, well, fair play, and and so he, he sees that that when people are struggling, he actually reaches out to people himself. Mm. So it's, it got to Cipriani, it, it's got mm. to Maguire. Does media criticism? Did it get to Carl Robinson? Did it get to Martin Keown? I think mm. it, 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 it very much says no. You, you, I think you're lying to an extent. I think you you do disconnect yourself from the masses of negativity. But I, th- I think it's for me the, the most important thing. It's not so much the people from outside what they've got to say about you. It's the people that you let in your inner circle, the trust that you're showing them. I think when they say something, it hurts you a little bit more. I think you find a way of putting a barrier around yourself and making sure that you're protected. But it, it does hurt. Sometimes one or two things do get through. I think, um, well, I had good examples. I'm not going to name any names, Jim, at all. But it, it did become a bit personal with one or two journalists, maybe one journalist, just a succession of uh, of stories that became personal, um, and I did confront that person, and and even even afterwards when it all went well for me, that person felt they'd played a part somehow. That journalist felt he played a part in my success, which was really weird. So, you know, but but what we mustn't do, we mustn't really look at those articles. We mustn't really hear the noise. You know, we we often feel, you know, in a game of football, you run it back for your mind and you think of all the mistakes you made. You've got to look at the good things you've done as well. I, I, I'm i a big fan of, of Harry Maguire. Mm. And I do feel that, uh, yes, I do feel they've gone overboard. People have gone overboard. I th- this is like a, a tournament specialist. This kid has so, done so well for England in major tournaments. I mean, Gareth Southgate, second most successful manager we've ever had after... Mm. As, you know, but you say people have gone overboard. Who's gone overboard? Well, well, just just the general feeling around him, Jim. So you're in the media, and you want me to evidence articles written by people. But there is a general mood here where we're trying to sort of destabilize one of our best players. Okay, now there's a booing that came from Hampden Park. By the way, those Scottish fans were booing the, the English national anthem as well. Well, you bet. Um, yeah, we talked about exactly. that this week. So I wouldn't, really take, I wouldn't really take too much of the booing there. But the finger's been pointed at the media. So are pundits on Maguire's back I think there's much? a general feeling. And if so, who are these pundits? Well, I think it's just a general mood within the, the media that the player's not really good enough and he shouldn't be at Manchester United. And I actually believe he should be there. And I don't think he's actually the problem at the club. And I'm not seeing that Varane this year, Martinez, have been any better than he has. And there's a massive hole in the midfield of Manchester United. And teams are running through it. And whether the Harry Maguire was there or not, I don't think I'd be happy playing in that Manchester United defence right now because Fernandes and, and Ericsson don't want to offer any kind of barricade. They don't want to offer any kind of defensive shield. And that's about, football's about balance, Jim. And let's be balanced in all of this. And I think that Southgate's got every right to support his player because the player's done exceptionally well playing under this manager. The criticism, look, occasionally a parent or a family member, a loved one might say something in the media. You, you have to accept it. You plan. You don't plan for that, but that's just somebody else who's just you know looking out for their son. So I understand that as well. People try to target my parents. People came after my parents, but I shut that down because I don't want that out there. Well, ask your parents for a comment about you. Yes, yes, but uh, luckily I managed to get to Piers Morgan to shut a story down. My mother picked up the phone in and around the Van Nistelrooy situation. Of course, they were looking to defend their son. You know, so that's what mothers and fathers will do in this situation. But I, I think we've got a fantastic player. This booing, how does that help? How does that help that player in what he's achieved? He's trying to do the best he can, you know? In any other job you're in, we've got a lot of van dri- white van drivers that listen to our show, yeah? And they're bricklayers. If someone's standing over you and you get something wrong and starts booing, yeah? Is that really going to happen? If you're the best bricklayer in the country representing us and we start booing, does it help? Get off his back. He's an he's a outstanding talent and he's getting the support he deserves from his manager. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan.
One bigger question this morning about a specific player, um, Carl Robinson, is is it officially all over now for Jadon Sancho at Manchester United? Because as we know, what has happened in this saga? This has happened. Ten Hag has thrown Sancho out of the first team and told him to train alone until further notice. Sancho put out uh, something on social media, which has now been taken down. He deleted it. But he has refused to apologise to the manager who hasn't been Ten Hag hasn't been at all impressed by Sancho's training methods, if you like. His training methods. We'll get deeper into this in a second. But this was Jadon Sancho and what he said when he joined Manchester United from Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, it's a honour, really. Um, you know, growing up, you know, Manchester was one of the biggest clubs that, um, you know, that was known for. And obviously all the trophies they've won. And it's the iconic players that come before me. So, yeah, I'm happy to be wearing this jersey now. How would you describe your character? What sort of person is this club getting in the dressing room? Um, obviously, around the place, it's going to be, you know, um, serious on the pitch, definitely. And, um, you know, a bit of vibes, a bit, <laughs> you know, a bit of jokes here and there. But definitely, when on the pitch, it's, it's, it's time to be serious. What will it be like off the pitch? A bit of vibes. Um, I'm not sure what I make of that. Yesterday, Manchester United released this very short statement. How telling was this, Carl? Jadon Sancho will remain on a personal training programme away from the first team group pending resolution of a squad discipline issue. Seems his days are numbered, doesn't it? By what you hear, yes. Um, I think as a manager, you've got four fundamental ways of maybe dealing with situations. One's the internal loving the internal criticism, the external loving and the external criticism. You, you try to do it all internal first and foremost because nothing should ever really get out. <clears throat> and Man United have always been great at that under Sir Alex Ferguson. I'm sure the Arsenal team you played in would have been the same, would have been very internal, the criticism. If that doesn't work, then you, may, you might have to come out and show them some love and then the final bit is this, this sense of criticism that's coming out now. For me, I think Man United have made a rod for their own back to an extent. I think when you look at the problems that they're having on the football pitch right now and some of the performances, the the situation with players now having to, with things outside football, coming into the football club, he would have been a player that you would have looked to turn to, to, to influence games. But if he's not training right and he's not fit, he's not able to affect it, something has to be done about it. I don't know, we don't know exactly what's going on. I don't know whether Martin knows more or, or can like me on that. But for me, from where I sit as... I do worry right now, not just for them, but how they've dealt with an awful lot of the situations over the last two or three weeks with a lot of their players. Well, this is it, Martin. I mean, as I said earlier, Sancho took to social media and then deleted it. Um, I've had a message this morning from someone close that Ten Hag has no problem with players approaching him privately to discuss his decisions, but they cannot criticise him or the club or vent their frustrations in a public forum. Did Sancho make a mistake by going public? We've got to follow this all the way from I mean, the beginning. Ten Hag you, you, you got to, him. Yeah. Yes, but I, ju I mean, look, we talked about it last week, and I was talking about Ten Hag, and when he came to the club, I think he went. He did brilliantly for the player. He took him out of the firing line, and he took him away to, to Holland to, to nurse him. There was talk of mental health issues. Okay, I'm not even sure we're allowed to talk about it, but there we are. That's what I believe it was. So he took him away. There was talk of injuries as well. And he nurtured him, came back, gave him, got, tried to get him back into the team. And I think at no real point have I ever seen this Sancho play with any directness, a determination. He doesn't strike me as being a player that, yes, an incredible talent. We saw him at Dortmund. He was just taking defences apart. But I've not seen it. So why is that? Is there a lack of motivation? Um, there's, in, there's a lack of desire. So the manager looks at it and thinks, right, OK, what I'm looking for in the week, I'm looking for a performance. When you come and work with me, this is how you're going to perform. This is the work ethic. First of all, you're going to be on time for training. If you're late, there's a problem. They're non-negotiables. Okay, that's how we behave. And this is about discipline. And there's a, there's a message for the group here. Not just this player. This is really important. Okay, now is not an ideal time because there were the problems they've got with, with Greenwood uh, and uh, Anthony's out. They need him in the team. But actually, mm. what they also need to do is spread the message to the group of how you're behaving. And he's not working hard enough in training. He doesn't have the discipline. He's not respecting the group or the staff. So he's had to take him one step out. Now, this is a tough love for him, Jim, but he tried the other approach, tried to put his arm around him, and it doesn't seem to be happening. When I was a young player many years ago, Graham Taylor said to me, when you come to a football club, 
Make sure they're talking about you for years afterwards. Make sure that the, your, your photographs are up around the building. They're not going to be there for him because he's done nothing since he's been there. Whether he not, it's, uh, this is another manager not getting the best from him. He's got to get the best from himself. He should be holding his hand up, apologising to the manager. He got emotional. The manager has tried to wake him up, Jim. That's what this is about. And the player's not prepared to make an apology. I think he needs to be the bigger man. If I'm in his corner, I'm telling him, you go to the manager and you rescue your career. That's, that's quite scathing on, on Sancho. I know, but I don't... I don't take, uh, take us to the 12 o'clock bulletin card yeah, I don't, I, and we'll return to it after it. But yeah. in a couple of sentences, where's your mind with it? I don't agree with how he's done it, personally. Who? Yeah, um, I think he's 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 persevered with an awful lot of other players and hasn't publicly outed them. You look at some of the performance. You, you, you're saying you look. I think he did though, Carl. You yeah, think of Ronaldo saying, you're, you're and the, the players. He went, went after the big guys straight away. Not players that he signed. He, he, he signed players. They've just been as bad for Manchester United this season, and sort of that gets pushed up his, his own personal players with the boys he brings in from Ajax. Yeah, but they're working. They're giving everything for the how team. Do, how do we know they are? We don't know what's going on at training ground daily. Yeah but, yeah, but we the manager is saying he's setting the tone, isn't he? He's setting yeah, the, tone. the tone. He's is, the tone is based by the results, and fundamentally, right now, the results haven't been good enough. And the performance, and we've been on this show after the Wolves game, and we were scathing over their performance on that on the first game of the season about the lack of effort that they showed on the day. So, in a word, are you Team Sancho? Something's not right with him, so I'm not one hundred percent. Are you Team Ten Hag? I I just feel now it's about discipline. And it's a bigger issue. And once it gets into the public domain, then the manager, the manager's always going to win this one. Yeah. And this all started at Manchester United in recent days when Eric Ten Hag spoke and said, no, what Sancho is doing, or more importantly, not doing, annoys me. Have a listen. Jaden was on um, uh, uh, his uh, performance on the training. We didn't select him. You have to reach uh, a level every day on Manchester United and we can make choices in the front line yeah and so for this game he wasn't selected so what he what he was doing in the training ground or more importantly what he wasn't doing um, got to Ten Hag and for that reason Sancho dropped out of Ten Hag's thinking would Arsene Wenger ever have said anything like that Martin about a player no uh, probably not probably not publicly um, probably not no but um, as I say I think Ten Hag maybe felt that this is a bit of tough love for him and he's, uh, he's almost exhausted um, every avenue in the normal way that you would do to try to get a player to to adhere to the work ethic that you're looking for to to install at a football club. You know, you you work in a certain way. I've not managed a football club. I did the Oxford University team for a couple of years. You want everyone on time. You want everybody to respect their colleagues. To you know, and to train to a certain level. And I think this is what we're talking about. So the manager really, he's, he's hurting a little bit. He's just lost the game against against Arsenal. Uh, he's been he's been honest. He's probably thinking in, in in terms of how do I possibly help this player the most? And we're hearing as well this week, Jim, that there's not been a resolution between the player and the manager. So the manager's he has he's, he's put his arm out to him to say right, okay, do the right thing, and you come back into the fold. And obviously the player doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to apologise to the manager. And I don't think he's going to win that one because the manager needs to prove to the group that everybody has to work to this to this level. Everybody has to toe the line. Otherwise, they don't represent Manchester United. That's the first. That's a that's a given that I expect from my players every week. Yeah, well, we know that Sancho then took to social media himself contesting what Ten Hag had said um, shortly after that, Carl. Mm. And then Manchester United, curiously, released a one-line statement just yesterday. Jaden Sancho will remain on a personal training programme away from the first-team group pending resolution of a squad discipline issue. So obviously that's Ten Hag saying, no, mm. no, he can't come back yet. Has a player ever questioned your authority? Yeah. Ever questioned what you've said? Yeah, multiple times. I don't think you, you ever want players to play for you that don't think they can speak to you. There'd be times when I would have took that personally. There'd be times when I would have probably would have gone back in the wrong context when I was younger. I think the older you get, the more comfortable you get with it you are as a person. Which is writing down here. And when you do that, though, when you publicly out somebody, which he has, you need buy-in from your cl your players first and foremost. It's got it's it has to tactically be done because at the end of the day, they're playing multi-million pounds for this player to perform on the pitch on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon when it may be, and it, it it's got to be tactically done in a way. You need to know when you do it that the players that are in that dressing room know you're doing it. There's buy-in because then there's got to be a sense of when you say that, what player then goes to him first and go, right, come on, 
you now need to sort this out. We're here to support you. The manager said this. We'll let you back in, but we need you to do this. And it's almost like, it's not tit for tat in a way, but you do need that uh, that ability to say things publicly, but with the strength of the group of the team behind you. And we don't know what that team's like, that atmosphere in the dressing room's like. I was just thinking before, I remember I worked with Ian Wright for a long time. I think players are slightly different now because he used to say to me, he always wanted to play against you on a Thursday and Friday and he always wanted David Seaman behind you. And he felt that you, because he knew you trained right and he knew that if he got the better of you, which he said he did a few times. Not, that, many, not many. Right? That if you got the better of you and <laughs> put it in on. the corner past Seaman, he knew he was playing the best players in the Premier League Thursday, Friday, and he felt the Saturday became an easier. Yeah, and I way. wanted to play against right. him. And you want so? Of the best. I don't know whether that challenge, and again, this is, I could be wrong, is really out there. The manager was never there to motivate an Ian Wright or a Martin Keown or David Seaman stopping at going to corners. It was almost that self pride on a Monday through Friday that you had in your own training habits that allowed you to be the best you can possibly be at the weekend. Where I think now we have sports science who are saying no contact. I can't imagine you and Wrighty not having contact. Uh, they were saying that you've got to do so much on your GPS, so you're pulling back a little bit. And I, I'm not too sure whether this is this data-driven, what he's saying about training. Is it his view of his eye? Or is it players internally within the football club come to as a manager saying, we don't want him anywhere near the group? And if that is the case, well, I, I back him for what he's done. I, I mean, all the good managers I played with were very much in charge we we didn't really they weren't influenced by us and it was uh, if you create the right environment then he's standing out like a sore thumb because he isn't yeah. going the line um and this is probably uh, whether this is what he's doing whether he's sulking a little bit or he's trying to get that that attention uh, it's not working and i think it's, it's i don't i'm not condoning that the manager comes out and says this thing but in an, every now and again jim as a a little red flag or an emergency i think and i do think this is planned I definitely think it's planned because in, in length, what way? Well, because what they've way? tried they've tried over a lengthy period to try and get the best from this player. Yeah, they took him out to Holland, you know, the, the manager's homestead, to pe- for people that he knew could could love him and bring him back and keep nurture him. And then he's come back for a period and he hasn't really sparked. This his train hasn't got he hasn't got out of the station yet, Jim. This player, we, this is an, an enormous talent, by the way, yeah. that we are not seeing the player at his best. And they've tried everything, so they're trying another way, and hope I'm. I'm praying it works for him because I, I want to see some people fulfil their potential. And this kid is not doing that. You know, pushing him out and and getting him to train in his own, and even over in the Netherlands, not even here, can that work against what Ten Hag is trying to achieve? It, it can do if the player has a you know a mental health issue where he just can't survive, can't deal with it, he can't he can't survive in that environment. But the manager is you know it's a push and pull maybe for the manager, yeah, and he can always bring him back. But I think it's the player that has to make the first step well, to realise that well, he's, he's, he's out of order here. He makes the first step by working hard and training. Correct. And as you said before, he has the talent. A talent is a work ethic. That fundamentally mm. underpins everything that you that you possess as a footballer. But Carl, for a start, he's got to get to training. At Manchester City <laughs> in 2017, uh, it emerged he failed to turn up for training on several occasions um, following Guardiola's decision to leave him out of the pre-season tour of the US. At Dortmund, he was dropped and he was fined over 86 grand by Dortmund after arriving, arriving late from international duty. England, he was late for a senior team meeting ahead of England's World Cup qualifier away to Andorra. Southgate made the England team wait for late players to arrive before he began his meeting. Now, I'm not being judge and jury, but at the same time, it's up to Sancho and his representatives to go back cap in hand to Ten Hag, isn't it? Yeah, and and I reiterate what I said before, arguably when he now comes back in, his work ethic should be judged first and foremost. And none of us see him train. It, it, and it's easy for for big powerhouse football clubs to to put things out there in the way that they do. To it, they could be mixing things around to make it sound more positive on what he said to back the manager. I I, I worry for this boy. I really do. I remember watching him in Dortmund and I remember the hype that we had over this next talent and what he was going to be. And we haven't seen that yet. There's something fundamentally not right with him, and as we said this about Delhi not long ago, yeah. about the it's almost uh, that Delhi same yeah. that yeah. same situation where the talent doesn't the talent doesn't match the output, 
and the output right now for him isn't good enough. Well, he but went, equally, he, the output for a lot of players at that football club yeah. isn't good enough right now. Well, he went on social media, Carl, and, and contested what Ten Hag said about him. In your in your experience, when somebody does that, is there any way back? Yeah. There has to be. Because equally, we're, we're all... and, and you know, I, I, I say this every time we speak, that I do things that I have to look at myself and go, I was wrong there. And I'm looking for people to accept my apology. And I think there's a way back if there's a sense of transparency and honesty and a tinge of regret for what he's done. But arguably the most... Yes, the you person, bring him back, do you trust him again? Well, fully. if he looks you in the eye and says, yes, you have to. And then the eye of the fans will tell you whether that's right or not. Because one thing about football fans, the thing, first thing they see and the first thing they judge is how hard you work for their team. And Man United fans are outstanding. They go up and down the country, they're travelling with that. One of the biggest football clubs in the world, by the way. And they know what hard-working footballers look like. And they know what talent looks like more than most. And he, right now, doesn't possess that work ethic to support his talent. And unless that comes along, he's going to be seen as, a, as an ultimate failure. Jim, at the moment, this, this is hurting the player now. Massively hurting the player, because he knows this weekend he probably would have been playing. But it's also hurting the manager. And it hurts the club. Yeah, because Man United, if this was Sir Alex Ferguson, this is a crisis. It might not be for Ten Hag, because the support he seems to have within the media. You're going to say, "Well, where have you seen that?" Well, there's a feeling that Ten Hag's the right man for the job, but I don't know if I'm seeing that. Lost the last two away games, the last two home matches, they were two 0 down to Forest. You could drive a bus through the team against Wolves. Is it the is he the answer? But I tell you what, he's going to do. He's going to stick to his values. And what they are is you come to work and you give me everything. At the moment, you're not doing that. And I'm with him on that. But it's, it might cost him results, but ultimately he's got to sort this group out. He's got to yeah. get the right atmosphere long, in the group. How long do the fans give him? Because right now they're, they're in the midst of a problem where they have players that aren't available to play for, for different reasons. And that fundamentally will affect results. And how long will they be patient when results aren't great? Because well, this weekend it's it's Brighton. This weekend you have got Fatty coming in off the bench from uh, from Barcelona. You've got Don Cuso, who was you know outstanding in midweek. Yeah. Um, there's so many good players. Ferguson running right up top, probably the second best striker yes, in the 100%. Premier League right now with Haaland. Yeah. You know, the winger out on the left hand side, Japanese. It's just unbelievable. Every time he played against, I mean, how are they going to deal with that today? Well, if they don't have any balance this weekend against Brighton, they could lose at home as well. In, in, a, in a couple of words. Before we leave this topic, do you think Sancho will play for United again? Jim, it's too early to say. We are, we're, mm. we're getting, it's now getting big for the boy. It's up to him to realise the error of his ways. He has to join the group, not them join him. He's the one who's got to go reach out to the manager and to the players to say, right, I've made a mistake. You're nodding, but do you agree? Yeah, I think he's right saying it's too early to say, but I think the, the big fundamental thing is that transparency and honesty and then... The eye will never lie on how hard you work. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back on Monday to bring you the best of the show.